Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Justin the Food Entrepreneur Show. I'm Justin Bizarro. I'm your host. That's B-I-Z-Z-A-R-R-O. For anyone who's out there, you can find us on Instagram at Justin the Food Entrepreneurs. You can find this show and any of the other shows we do on Spotify or wherever else you grow yourself through podcasts. Again, please give comments. Please give reviews. Please give us five stars on any of the platforms you listen in, especially if you want to support Joseph and Tomahawks. Please. It helps them. It helps the algorithm. not going to lie. Helps get the message out there. Also, word of mouth, tell people about the episode. There's a lot of entrepreneurs out there, especially in food, that need to know they're not alone. And these episodes help their businesses, particularly in food. There's a lot of facts in here. There's a lot of nuggets of information. There's a lot of coal that can be turned into diamond. So a lot of businesses, a lot of food entrepreneurs have benefited from what's on this show. I recommend that you share it because so many more could benefit across the world. We are in 140 countries. So that's quite an honor. Thank you, everyone. And with that being said, we're going to jump right into part four uh, as we recorded it with Joseph and Tomahawk. So thank you guys for listening in. And here we go. Talk to me about this, like because it's a giant leap of faith. Like, are you only doing the farmer's market on Wednesdays or have you expanded where you're actually traveling around doing this more than one day a week? Or do you just go from a one day a week operation fully into a brick and mortar? It was just one day. It was the one day a week operation uh, on Wednesdays, uh, and just right into the brick and mortar. And then I would say that that's like that's a recipe of like just well, a little bit of like the assumed kind of thing. Like there are moments where you just kind of do the thing because that's what it's been, you've seen the pattern as a person. And so you just assume that's what you need to do. Like I knew that the restaurant, I knew that whatever I was doing needed a home. So that was like the first thing first. And there was all this like coming out of the farmer's market, everybody that's, I probably heard every Wednesday, you got to get a food truck, man. You're going to do a food truck. Uh, you should get a food truck. Hey, do you have one? You know, like everybody want to know the food truck thing, but I was never really hot on the food truck idea because at the end of the day, you still need like a commissary kitchen to cook out, like actually cook out of, unless you have like a really baller food truck where you can just do everything in your truck. But that's a, I mean, that's a pretty insane example. I think, um, you need to have a commissary kitchen where you're like washing all your dishes, where you're doing all your prep. And so I never, it's like, well, I'm going to have like this whole pile of capital that I got to roll into this thing. And then yet I'm still going to have the same problem that I have now where it's like, I need a kitchen to cook out of. So I said, it's like, well, all right, this is going to be the thing that I got to go do. And then, and then this location presented itself and it was really just, ready to go uh it was an old restaurant that somebody had gotten out of and then the landlord bought the building he certainly didn't want to turn it into anything other than a restaurant so we needed to find like a restaurant tenant and uh and so the whole the timing really just worked out it was getting to be the end of the season so now it's starting to get cold at the farmer's market uh can't stay outside anymore and uh, I'm like kind of worried about, I'm like, what am I going to do for work? And I'm like, I've been kind of supporting myself despite, again, during COVID, I don't have like a regular job. Um, and I've been using this to like, you know, support myself. So I, I need to keep being able to make some money. So I, uh, I did some cooking here and there, uh, did some, there was a, a cool, uh, little local grocery store called the two owls shout out to, uh, Nicole and Jeremy over there in Milton that they were, uh, they were fans of what I did. They let me kind of come in and put together some like to go dinners and different things. 
uh, over over there. I got my feet, you know, kind of like settled and figured out what I was doing. But I I knew that I wanted to find like a static place that I could I could continue to practice my craft and I could continue to grow as a cook where I would be unencumbered by, you know, the logistics of having to move things here and there. And uh, and then doing the food the way that I was doing it, the tacos from scratch. I really couldn't handle any more days a week. I mean, that was like me prepping absolutely as much as I can for, you know, like two days and then, then doing it on the, on the third day. And I just couldn't like figure out a way to turn it around and go do another thing. So, uh, it stayed like that until the end of the season and then came into the brick and mortar and then spent, you know, the beginning part of the next year, January, February, March, getting the building together, uh, painting the walls, developing the menu, uh, getting like the, everything, you know, kind of set for opening, uh, in April. So it was like, it was a one year, it was like one year to almost to the day that we went from the start of the taco stand at the farmer's market to the now opening the brick and mortar, uh, ready to go. But there was a lot of, there was a lot of development that went on between like that Thanksgiving, uh, end of the season at the farmer's market to that April opening that like whole winter of like kind of figuring out, well, what do I want now? I have this opportunity in front of me, which way do I want this to go? How do I want it to look? And, uh, I did make like a little bit of a shift uh, thematically going from the farmer's market menu into the menu for tomahawks. And then I also kind of, I did have like a little bit of a name change starting at the farmer's market. I called it tomahawk tacos. Um, I, uh, I have like Mohawk roots in my family. My whole mother's side of the family is Mohawk. And so it's always been like a theme in my life. Uh, and so I, I knew that that was at my core. And when I started the business, it was like, well, who am I? Uh, and it's these, specific tomahawks actually that used to be in my house they were decoration along with you know the you know the, the other beadwork and the, the other things cultural pieces that were around but these two tomahawks specifically were uh like leaning up against a uh like a cabinet on the ground and as like a little kid my my brothers and my sister and i we used to play with them even though we weren't supposed to but it was like the first tangible piece of my culture that i could like touch and feel and i, I remember it quite vividly as, as a child and so those tom- tomahawks were, i have one still to this day it sits in the restaurant and and I, and so they were they've always been at my core but i knew that i wanted to do more than just tacos now um, the tacos were a lot of fun but there was all kinds of other things to explore and i really wanted to explore uh my native american background and what does what does mohawk food look like what does haudenosaunee food look like what does that mean and and now this was my opportunity to do so so kind of like some soul searching some development bringing everything into focus just for that april opening at the brick and mortar this is incredible i mean I mean, were you overwhelmed? I mean, you're going to like multiple days a week, right? You're it's got to be yeah. a little bit overwhelming. You're now ha- having to work more per se. You're now having to make sure you got to cover a lot more bills and and overhead. Excuse me. So how? I mean, what was that like for you? How, how did you like process this? How did you go about this? Because I think a lot of people can get overwhelmed and almost get frozen, but you kept going. Like, 
How, what was your motivation? How did you stay focused? I mean, obviously you have a passion for this. You discovered a seed that's been planted inside of you because you're not doing x-rays, right? And so- not at all. Yeah. And and so like, let's talk a little bit about this. Like it's gotta be a driving force because it's not easy to learn things. It's not easy to translate your business into a brick and mortar and take on the additional stress and all that. Um, A lot of people are deterred by it and never take that leap. So I just wanna focus on that. What is inspiring you at this point? What's motivating you? How are you getting through the fricking ups and downs that happened at the beginning of opening a store? Yeah, it was it was overwhelming at first. And then again, you get this little bit of a little bit of this like naivete that comes into it that you're not totally sure. And uh, I actually was able to pull some lessons from uh, when I was younger. We used to uh, swimming out and around uh, where I grew up on the Delaware River. We had like a lot of uh, like cliffs and waterfalls and things. And that's how we used to swim when I was a kid was we'd go cliff jumping. We'd find these pools of water. I mean, I can't even, you know, hardly think about it now with my own children. We find these pools of water and you would jump off like these ridiculous cliffs into these pools of water. And once it was, it was fun, but there was like, it took a minute to like, be like, oh man, I don't know if I'm supposed to do this or not, or this seems kind of scary. And you just need this like momentary laughs of reason to be like, no, I'm going to do it. And I just jump. And then, and now you're just in it. Now you're flying through the air and there's nothing you can do, but just live it. And it was a little bit of that, like being like, all right, I need this place to keep cooking. This is the way that it's going. Let's do it. And then the whole thing unfurls. And then, yeah, you have all this extra overhead. Uh, All of a sudden the whole thing is like, it's growing into a, to another level. And it's, it's a fail. It's a fear, a fear of, of failure, I think to a degree. Um, you know, there's just a little bit, it's, it's my, it's my own just personal work ethic. You know, like I said, I, I grew up, I come from like a, a long line of, of steel workers, iron workers in, in the city. My father was an iron worker. My mother's father was an iron worker. My mother's brothers were iron workers. And, uh, and there was, I was never afraid of like hard work, which is part of the reason why food and I get along. Uh, there's, you know, a reason why food is taught in vocational schools next to like automotive and woodshop and stuff. Right. It's like, it is at, at the end of the day, a trade, like it's, it is work. And, uh, so like just, in a weird way, just being able to like throw my, just my whole self at it. And also I was ready for it too. You know, I'm, I'm like in my early thirties. And at this point in time, like I I quit my career as x-ray. I've been a stay at home dad, but like I I wanted, I I needed a project that I could just throw myself at uh, just completely and allow it to dominate my life. So that later on I knew that, well, shit, man, I tried, you know, like I really lay, I didn't leave anything out there. I, I, I did everything that I possibly could. And, uh, and that's how it ended up working. You know, I, there was plenty of, again, sleepless nights. Like I remember the first day prepping for that first day of farmer's market. I didn't sleep at all that whole night. I prepped all through the night, straight to 6am, packed it all up, went to the farmer's market, set up my stand, sold all day, didn't go to sleep until I got home, washed all the dishes, was done. Same thing that opening weekend, rolling into the, uh, rolling into the, into the restaurant, that whole like 
prep day going into the in, into the weekend prepped all night long stayed up i you know like for and and that's that speaks to like my own again like my own inexperience i mismanaged it i could have done things differently but i didn't and it's like well what are you gonna do you gotta fix it you gotta make it happen and so you just do it and uh and so it was this you know this kind this combination of just like not knowing what you're getting yourself into but damned if i'm gonna let it if i'm gonna fail at it and you know what i, I and i and i love it i love it anyway and so rolling all that up into you know one thing and then logistically you know like how do you start out well i was like i'm not gonna i, I can't just roll right into like a five day a week you know uh, eight hours a day kind of thing so we're like all right hey we're gonna start out on the weekends we'll do friday saturday we'll open up and then we'll reevaluate at a certain point you just got to like kind of do the thing because you could get caught up into this like planning uh exercise where like you know where you can try to really foresee everything and you just won't ever you, you can lie to yourself and say that, oh, hey, we're going to be prepared, but there are going to be things that you're not going to know, too. So then at a certain point, it's like, are we really getting anything out of this or are we just wasting time? Let's just go ahead and do the thing. And uh, so we started out Fridays and Saturdays and got that going. My family was all there around to help me. I'm blessed to have such a beautiful family. People coming in, helping me work shifts until I can figure out, like, well, what are the positions at this restaurant now that we're getting started? Uh, you know, how many do I need people, a solo register person? Can the person on register also come back and, and, and jump on the line to do some things? Do I need a solo dishwasher alone? You know, the logistics of, like, are we going to do disposable stuff in the restaurant you know, if we're fast casual lunch or we're going to have plates, then do I need a dishwasher or not? You know, like all this kind of stuff. I don't know at the time. Uh, these are all questions that I can like see in hindsight again. But in the moment, I had no idea. I was just like, well, we're going to open up and let's try to serve some food to people. And uh, man, the whole thing was the whole thing was wild. And we certainly took, a, you know, like it was not perfect. You know, I think that we did a pretty good job and we had people love the food. But it was it was a huge it was a huge learning experience, uh, for sure. But that, that just drive of, uh, 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 it's combination of like determinism and just love for the thing is like the ultimate, like energy. Well, you know, that's the beautiful thing about love. It is like this kind of like source of energy that, you know, it can, it can really have longevity and push you through something and give you that extra bit when you're ready to just kind of give up. And, uh, and so we, we did that uh, for, you know, the first month or so. And then we added Thursday. So now we're Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and then kept going until we made it all the way out till, you know, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And then the whole, you know, the thing is the things up and running and moving in some kind of coherent fashion. It's awesome. I mean, I've got to imagine you're capturing recipes. You're coming up with standard operating procedures for your business. You're you're putting manuals together. You're having to train employees. Potentially, you're preparing for things, uh, and you've got your mind around like, how do I do this? How do I, you know, truly scale this business to to handle the volume that you know in the twenty four or sorry, the seven day a week potentially operation. I don't know if you're open seven days a week, but maybe you're only open six or five. I'm not sure. We can talk about that. But yeah, we we can actually because it's something that I'm like actively in the moment changing. So we'll yeah we'll get to it. Yeah, let's talk about that. Like, what's your mindset there? Because I mean, I think a lot of like it's one of the biggest stumbling blocks when we go into a brick and mortar. Like, what are our hours? What are our days of the week? So how have you f sort of started figuring that out? 
so this has been like an ever evolving thing um, as as the restaurant has gotten up and going. And it's not all success either. So there's like really hard moments, too. So you really change change things fundamentally when you go from like a place like what I was doing at, a, at like a farmer's market to a brick and mortar and then especially expanding the hours. You take something that was at one point uh, scarce, that was once a week, this kind of solo thing that this dude is just doing on his own. It's got like this kind of special and tangible to it. And then all of a sudden you take that product and you blow it up into a, a like a like a full brick and mortar and you put it there five days a week and you say, hey, anytime you want the thing, you can come right here and get it. And it's fine. And it kind of like changes it. It's not the same. And also now you have to come to the place. You're not at the place that you were going to go to anyway. you got to make a special trip all the way over here. And uh, and Mifflinburg is also like it's a it's a pretty small little town. So we don't have like a big college or a hospital or anything around that has like a lot of foot traffic coming in around through. And again, also, I changed the menu uh, quite a bit going into this brick and mortar. I actually, in the beginning, removed any beef, pork, or chicken on the menu at all and set this pantry for myself to explore this style of cuisine. I really went full, like, fully went into a Haudenosaunee pantry for myself, was a, was a big part of this restaurant. Um I wanted to explore my roots. I wanted to know what did Native American food look like. And growing up, uh, you know, like like I said, we had all these other pieces of culture around sweetgrass baskets on the table. I can still smell the insides of them. Uh, you know, these tomahawks laying on the ground, the beadwork that my uncles would do. I can remember the texture of it, running my fingers over across of it. But I didn't eat any mohawk food. I didn't know what that was. You know, the the food was much more fragile piece of the culture, and it's it was it was removed. All I had was this one uh, dish, this boiled cornbread that my grandmother used to make uh, for for my mother and her brothers and sisters uh, all the time. And, and that was the only kind of like Mohawk food that I, I knew of. And I, I knew that that this cuisine needed exploration and I, and I wanted to, and I, it was going to be, it was, it was going to be the, the, way that I, you know, it's, it, it was at my core of myself as a cook. You know, I'm still trying to find my feet as a cook. Again, I didn't come to cooking until I was in college. So I was, you know, like I, I was older and then, so I, I haven't had this like underlying thing developing ever since I was young. So I'm still kind of like figuring out who I am in a food, in a food world. And so now all of a sudden you put this like this, this is growing to be a, a, a more and more unique thing by the second. As I change the menu, I think that our opening menu, I changed my chorizo from using ground pork to ground venison. I had like, I had, uh, I, instead of braising out pork shoulders, I had like a, a local place around here that was getting, uh, was getting elk shoulders. And we did like a blueberry elk taco, mushrooms, turkey instead of chicken, just unique so you take this like super unique concept you drop it into this small little little town in central pennsylvania that doesn't have like a lot of 
I don't want to say food culture, but like, you know, it's, I'm in like the heart of like Amish territory out here. You know, it's very like country cooking, a lot of like gravy, bread, uh, you know, dairy, you know, not certainly not this and not nixtamalized corn. And like, though I did see a bit of a through line with, uh, the idea that like we also have a very healthy hunting population out here. So a lot of the game meat that I had on the menu and have on the menu was that maybe a bit more exotic in, you know, a suburb of a large city was actually quite normal out here. Um, people have been eating venison their whole lives. So there, there was like a bit of a through line that I did want to, and still like to draw between, you know, like this, like out in the country kind of, uh, like lifestyle and the indigenous populations of, uh, of the area as well. And their you know, their eating practices. So I create this, like this hyper unique thing. And it's, it's all very, in a way like self-centered, you know, like you want to think about your clientele when you're doing, when you're opening up, you know, a, a business. You might be my and brother was... from another mother, dude. I don't even know how to describe <laughs> it. The fact that you went into elk and bison, like, I'm just like, I'm sitting here and like, I'm forgetting that I'm the host. I'm like sitting in as a listener. I'm like foaming at the mouth here. I'm oh, like, man. so it, anyway, it, keep going. I'm sorry. It, I interrupted, but you, I'm just amazed cool. that you, you had the foresight not being in food to do the diversity of the proteins. Like it's so fucking essential in today's world to diversify our protein sources and our menus and really get into stuff. I mean, you talked about elk and and bison and there's alligator out there and, you know, turkey Mm -hmm. is an alternate and there's pheasant and there's all this shit out there, not shit, all these animals out there that we should be benefiting from their nutritional values, their vitamins, their minerals, because each one provides something different for us. So anyway, I love this topic, but keep going. I'm sorry to interrupt. I was no, just no, like, no, you're quite I'm all right. And it's, it's, it's absolutely part of it. And then this is so. Then as I'm starting to like uncover all of these things, um, you know, it 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 resonates deeply with me. So I can't help myself but do this. You know. And, and not necessarily for the better part of the business either. Like I alienated a lot of people changing this menu. Um, you know, people are very comfortable with beef, pork and chicken, especially out here in central Pennsylvania, where that's where a majority of people grew up eating. But I did believe in it deeply. I didn't I don't like the amount of pressure we put on those three proteins in our society. It's so much weight every time that you go into any kind of place. And those are the three main proteins that we have on beef, pork and chicken beef, pork, and chicken. And there's like, you know, you can spread the load so much more evenly if you diversify your diet. And a diverse diet is that like, is one of the core found like foundational pieces of, of indigenous culture is, is, is eating everything, you know, like this, I don't like, uh, is such like a, such a strange idea. It's like, you know, that, rolled up in that you have the ability to just you're saying like oh i have so much bounty that i can defer this one thing because i have preference over here that i would prefer to have i mean that's kind of an insane concept when you really think about it a, a majority so illogical it's so much existence was like yeah exactly it was like dude i don't have a chance i don't have a choice man this is what this is food right now and i'm eating it and having respect for it so so I, I, I change all this and, uh, and 
the whole thing kind of like really morphs and then trying to figure out like, okay, you need, you need to have so many people around to run the whole thing. So then all of a sudden, you know, going from a solo act, now you have a payroll that you've got to manage and then finding the staff to do that. Again, we're also, this is 2021. So like COVID is just raging right now while all of this is going on and nobody knows what's going on with food. The whole industry is upside down on its head, which is honestly, I think in a weird way is a good thing. And I, I'm, I, I like the fact that we've shaken it up a little bit, the way that people are able to obtain food, because it was so like, so unconscious. And we have like these formats and these structures. And it's something that I'm like actively, you know, like pursuing right now is like these different formats of getting food to people. But anyway, so then that goes for, uh, goes for a while. But I, I realized that I'm like, there are days, man, where we are losing our shirts right now, where, you know, on a random Wednesday in a small little town, we're, I, I have to be ready to serve people if people come in and we do have these times where, you know, we're, we start to fall into more of a destination restaurant than necessarily like a neighborhood eatery. You know, you got to know like what kind of see what's going on and what you're turning into. Uh, we, I'm not getting like the people from around the block just coming to have lunch. I'm getting like people who are driving 45 minutes from state college out because they, you know, read a newspaper article or saw our reviews or something. And they want to come out and try the special thing that they can't find literally anywhere else. Um, and so then that like, that doesn't make it so easy when people don't come out, but then you got to staff as if people might come out and, and all of a sudden, you know, the numbers start going all sorts of different ways and you're not sure what the hell is going on. And so I actually shut the whole thing down. Uh, I would say a little over a year in, I, I pulled like all the hours off the table and started focusing on just like other more profitable business models we were getting some catering gigs at that point i had done some weddings and stuff and i can start to see that like hey the catering is really efficient man like you know instead of like standing around all day trying to sell like you know a couple hundred tacos somebody says hey i want 200 tacos for this event and then it's just boom all of it's made and there and i didn't have to hire anybody extra to do it and i didn't need to buy any extra food than i needed for the thing and they paid me up front for it and like it's a very nice little so then you start to see this and you're like wow that makes a lot of sense and hey man this other thing like man, i i don't even know what the like it it, it really starts to you can start to see in a different kind of way when you're and you're looking at it from that from that angle so it, it's been like it's been a really it's been a really wild ride and so then you start to focus on that and then you develop those kinds of skills and you know you start to get a rep, reputation for being like well hey these guys you know they can do this kind of thing and then all the while you're you know developing your social media and you're you know you're still like at the end of the day like just making sure that anybody that i interact with when it comes to the business knows that like they're shaking my hand, I'm looking them in the eye and I'm saying, Hey, like it's good. I, 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 I promise. And then whatever else after that, if I can, if I can hold up my end of the bargain and shaking their hand and saying, okay, that's all that people are really looking for. And honestly, that's all that I'm looking for at the end of the day is trust you to trust me enough to be able to be free to do the thing that I'm going to do and know that in the end, I'm going to deliver it to you in a way that's going to exceed your expectations because I've really put my heart and my soul into it. So I started to like hit this moment where it's like, I could, 
scaling in this big direction of like taking tomahawks and turning it into a chipotle like you know chipotle is the business model i i, I didn't want to do that i i didn't have desire to go in that direction and instead i'm being pulled towards like this I reson it resonates more with me like you know the the ramen shop owner in, in Japan, just a guy coming in to, again, like we were saying before, the process of it all, like the destination of like a lot of you know this giant pile of money that I can eventually sell the business or like have enough employees that I don't have. I wanted to be able to be in there doing the thing and doing it intimately with, with my, with my clientele every day. And then start to like, see again, like learning about myself and seeing where I develop as a person and saying, okay, now how can I make the business model? What's the, what's the business model that makes sense in, in the way that I want to go in the direction that I want to go. And maybe, maybe getting bigger, isn't always going forward. So asking like these really like just like interesting questions, these big questions, these kind of like fundamental questions about like, you know, what what are we doing here? What what is a restaurant even? What is this space that four, five, six Chestnut Street even mean for me? And, you know, come in here saying, well, I assume that I just had to start open a restaurant because that's why I started this taco stand. And now I'm going to start, you know, you just. Yeah, I, I had the same moment when I graduated high school and it was like, you're going to go to college. Uh, I was just told my whole life, hey, you graduate high school, you're going to college. My, all my aunts, my mother, everybody is telling me that. And then I did. And it took some time for me to figure out what the heck I was doing. Like I said, I didn't know really what I wanted to do. And I went to x-ray school and I, I graduated and I loved it, but it took me a minute to figure it out. And then come to find out, I didn't have to do that. I could have, and I liked to, to cook anyway. I could have, maybe I should have just gotten a job at some kitchen some pizza place or whatever and then maybe that would have you know i i don't know so coming into the into the restaurant it was like oh this is going to be a restaurant and then i did that and then i was like oh, but i don't think that it is and i don't necessarily know if i necessarily want it to be this like big like volume driven fast casual thing my food can continues to get like more and more specialized and how do you find a price point for a taco that, you know, there's a little bit of discrepancy that goes on here, too, between cultures where it's like, right, you know, if I make a, a plate of like of hand rolled parpadelli and uh, and put it, you know, put it on a plate and, uh, you know, with some, you know, like some nice olive oil and cheese and some chili flake and parsley, you know, olive oil or whatever it's called and uh, with some handmade pasta and, and you're in the right, right place that that you can charge what 20 bucks for that plate of pasta inside like a meal or something like that. Uh, but like, there's a market price for a taco. How many at a street taco size, which is the, is the size tacos that we do. How many dollars can you pay for one street taco? 250, 350, you know, like as you increase the dollar amount, you start to like find the ceiling of the market. And it's like, or is all of this working for when you're, you know, braising elk. Does that make sense in a taco? Maybe, maybe not. It should be something else. And so I start to explore these other formats of cooking that aren't just like a fast, casual lunch spot. Let's do some like, let's do some sit down dining. Let's do some catering. Let's do some more specialized, specialized stuff. Turns out I enjoy cooking, you know, more intimately. So let's follow that. And, uh, and so that's where I'm actually, you know, I've, I've followed that right up to the present day right now where I just finally pulled my last like standard 
opening hours off the off the table where we were doing I had paired it all the way down to like, hey, Saturdays were open on a Saturday. You can come out and enjoy what we do here. And I kind of like concentrated like everything down onto this one day because I was losing my shirt on a weekday or I could and I couldn't take that risk anymore. And I didn't know how to like really push people into the restaurant without making sacrifices on my pantry you know, maybe I do need to have like a ground beef taco on the menu. People want to have like a beef and cheese taco. That's what they call a taco out here. It turns out they'd say, do you have, don't you have any regular ones? A, a regular, a regular what? Uh, a regular taco. What does that even mean? Do you mean a ground beef and cheese taco with sour cream, lettuce, and salsa that you're used to having out of your kit? I mean, sure. I guess I can make that for you, but uh, most of the free world doesn't call that a, a regular taco, but to, where where I am, they do. So maybe I need to cater to them more. But then that is like indirect, indirect conflict with the pantry that I've set for myself. And in a weird way, like the like the freedom that I'm trying to exercise as a Mohawk cook working with like my own like personal ingredients, you know, and that's where like there's a little bit of a discrepancy. Nobody's ever like. People don't turn their nose up at like Parmesan cheese or like, you know, any of the rest of the. And I just pick on Italian, the Italian pantry because it's big enough and it's bold enough and it's everywhere and and it's beautiful and amazing. So like it can withstand it or whatever. And it's so but it's 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 so it's so pervasive. But where you bring in something like Native American food that people don't know what it is and then, you know, you're trying to and I want to do it in a certain kind of way because because it deserves to be to, to be like that but with nobody knowing what it is i don't want to make sacrifices to the pantry for fear of confusing people for what it might be or what it might not be and then all of a sudden they go around and say i went to this native american restaurant and i had this beef and cheese taco and it's like well is that really that's not native american at all right like but they don't know that so i really hit like a lot of these like a lot of conflict and like how do i appeal to my audience how do i give them what they want while still in this format uh and what does that you know what does that look like do i want to sacrifice that maybe i cho chose the whole wrong concept you know like I, you really start to question all sorts of stuff especially when you're not making tons of money either or like it's just you know i mean it's not losing money but it's not you're not paying yourself and you're like man what is like what what should i be doing you know like what are the driving forces behind all of this and, uh, and that's really hard to see, especially like when you're in the moment of the whole thing, because you're so close to it. You know, it's a bit like being in a relationship and, you know, there's there are problems in the relationship and you're like, but you can't see them or you don't have good clarity on them because you're you're so in it. You need people from outside or you have to have take some time to have some real good perspective to remove yourself from the situation and look at it and be like, wow, all right, what can we do now that this is going on and how do we make this work? And again, never accepting failure as an option. So I've, I've, uh, I've, we paired it all the way down to Saturdays and we were doing Saturdays for the first, the first half of this year. And it's been a lot of fun, but I just, now we're, well, we're over three years into it since the taco stand. And I have desire as a cook now, as I continue to grow to make more food than just this kind of thing. And I think that my pantry and the style of food, uh, benefits from 
going from this fast casual format until I continue to refine it down further and further. And maybe I think maybe I have more things to say or more things to show people techniques that I've developed on my own as a person and flavor combinations that I've said, Hey, wow, that looks cool. And doesn't belong on a taco menu, but deserves to be on some kind of menu. And so we're, we actually are just started this weekend will be our first like rollout of this format of a more like reservation based system where you'll go on our website. And I have a list of the schedule of the things that we're doing on the days that we're doing it and the menus. And then you can go on and reserve ahead of time through our shop, your spot, and then I know guaranteed, hey, this many people are coming out and I know what to do. I know what I can I can spend on my food costs. I know what I can spend on my labor costs. I know what's happening and you know what you're getting. It's all been predetermined ahead of time. And so now you can come in for this special experience because turns out we are getting like more and more unique and more and more specialized. And that is a different that's a different kind of vibration than you know, mass appeal and more and more volume. And so it has to look different. And I'm actually quite excited to start to like really explore this new kind of format and push the food industry and, and my customers and the, and the, the idea of like, how do you get food? What is it? How do you obtain it? What kinds of lengths are you willing to go to that I'm willing to go to, to get this special thing? And, and then for also for cooks as a business model to say like, Hey, look, are you somebody who likes to, you know, you cook and you cook in this very specific and hyper unique kind of way. And you want to be able to do your thing. Then, maybe this is a business model that resonates with you a bit more than something, something else. And, and that towns could have, you know, here's the local kid that likes to do the thing or whatever. This is how he does it. And he makes his Dutch babies this way. And they're amazing, but you know, he's not doing it five days a week. He's only one guy and he wants to just do it. So like you, you know, you go on his website and, you know, secure your, tell him you're coming on the day that he's doing it. And then he'll make the thing for you. And you go up out and get to have that experience. Is it different than going to sheets for your burrito or whatever? Absolutely. But it's a different product. And there's room for these different kinds of formats inside the food world. This is incredible. You're an incredible human. Like, we're weirdly very similar in a ton of ways. Like, the willingness to hit the brakes, pick our head up, start all over again in the middle of success, quote unquote, or the middle of starting Mm -hmm. something. Like, that willingness to go to zero and start all over again, I mean, it's not completely to zero, but it is a willingness to be like, you know what? This isn't working. We can do better. We're scratching this. Like, we're going to just, we're going to stop. We're going to bring everything back. We're going to disassemble it. We're going to pick mm-hmm. the pieces we want, and we're going to get rid of the pieces that we don't want. And yeah, it's weird because I do this in my life too. I constantly have this weird time periods that I go through where I all of a sudden do like a check, whether it's my businesses, whether it's my personal life, whether it's my entrepreneur life, whether it's the mentor groups or, or coaches I'm involved in. It's always this check, okay, is this growing? Is Do we need to you know, look at this differently? Do we need to go back to the basics and rebuild to have an even bigger business or even have a better life or even have a better relationship with our significant other? You know, because right. sometimes we pick up habits or sometimes we pick up things that we're like, why the fuck are we doing that? What <laughs> yeah, are we doing? Yeah. Like, how did we get on this stupid path? Or some tribal knowledge comes into your company and you're like, what is that? And why are we been doing this for two and a half years? And yeah. so you're just like, okay, we got to do this differently. 
Absolutely. Um, yeah, it's it's easy to get the to get you know like it, like like a dream you know where you could kind of wake up and you're like how did I get here you know like or you know a bunch of the yeah, these like overall assumptions of like you see the patterns in society so you assume that that's the way that you'll go and then turns out that's not what it is at all and you know it's unique to us my story is like i didn't go to business school i didn't go to cooking school so in a weird way it maybe was my destiny to kind of figure it out like this and have to assemble and reassemble the parts to get the thing that to finally fit the way that i wanted to and then also having like a little bit of uh like a standard or like a, a certain kind of desire for like how do i want my own life to look like and i think that maybe covid helped us with this a little bit too like saying like you know we were all just unconsciously going to work you know every you know five days a week or whatever and then all of a sudden you just interrupt that and you get this moment and you say like well do i really have to be doing this and who am i doing this for anyway and so like you know maybe this setup of this thing is not the way that I want it to look like. I, I want to be able to, if for whatever reason, you know, everyone always says like, Oh, you got to miss all the the holidays and the birthday parties and, and this and that to do. And it's like, you know what I, don't, I'm, I did. And I'm, I'm sick of that now. I don't want to miss any more birthday parties. My kids are young and I want to be there for that. So if they're going to be a, th- there's going to be a thing that's going on, th- then I, I want to be able to schedule my life around that. So I, I can, I don't regret it in the end either. It doesn't have to be these two things. So really just not taking no for an answer and being determined to like put the pieces together until it makes the thing that you want it to be. And then yes, the money has to hash out in the end. And, and, and that is always the, you know, good, bad or ugly. That's the, you know, the barometer that we're using to make sure that this all, you know, goes a certain kind of way. So yes, but like having some other standards beyond that, uh, and then executing on that is, uh, is, I, I don't know, become very, a very interesting thing for me in the past like year. And I've really focused on, you know, nothing is sacred, nothing is precious, what do you excite from the idea of like, what do you want your life to look like and, and doing the things and putting it in place to make it look like that and not, and not selling yourself down the river being like, Oh, tomorrow, tomorrow I'll do, I'll be happy tomorrow. Next year we'll go to the birthday birthdays next year will be big enough that I'll be able to take a week for vacation. You know, like that's, a, that's scary. That was scary to me thinking be like, Oh, I'm just going to keep, because I, I did throw myself at it. So, fully and completely it got every ounce of my waking focus attention energy anything that i had extra was going into the restaurant and i was just like you know that is unsustainable and that is how you get burnt out and 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 to like say like oh well if i can just do this for another year oh man i don't know that was like that was a scary idea to me it's like oh really okay See, talk to me next year and see if you're satisfied. I don't know. You know, let's do How about right now? Let's make something, make your life look like the way that you want it to right now. And then tailor the business behind that. Because you know what? You're the most important thing. You know, the business is important. Yes, but it's not more important than you. And it's not more important than the things that are important to you. So prioritize that and make it look the way that you want. And then let the business put the put the pieces together behind that so that you can be happy with the way that it is. I agree with this. And actually, the largest mistake I made was when COVID became so stressful, 
I allowed my business weirdly, and I've lived my entire life until COVID, but we grew rapidly. We expanded. We're in the hospital food business, long-term care homes. You know, we're tripling in size and volume of food. We're putting money out. The hospitals are paying us less quickly. The vendors are getting us less food. You have the Chinese invading the uh, food markets. We can, everyone wants to reference it. It's look at pork and Smithfield and what happened there. Or, or our fishing industries that all got turned over to foreign entities, so on and so forth. And, and every school, university, and um, long-term care home and hospitals now run by a French company known as Sodexo. They're a foreign <laughs> company, guys, and they control our entire institutions. Crazy. Where society is a reflection of the sick, the elderly, and, and the children in our in our society and we turned all the nutrition and value over to a foreign company okay just saying okay we can say that they represent and they employ americans all you want but at the end of the day the money still ends up in france and it's still a french perspective okay the strategy the leadership the end of the day it all goes back to france just saying it's not american it's not for our (laughs) children it's not our mindset but the other thing is is i became so like trying to keep up, trying to make sure we won, opening up two new kitchens during the middle of COVID, the biggest ones we had ever opened in Union City in Georgia, in uh, Milledgeville, Georgia, that I allowed business to become before God and before my family, which to your point, it's weird. It happened so late in my life and I really screwed up my life because of it, guys. And I really, um, because I wanted the business so bad and it was growing and uh, you know, I thought it was just a period. You know, I never got to mm-hmm. see the other side of it. But I do realize now that it's exactly, you know, when I had the balance, when I put God first, then family, then business, then my community, and then my friends, life was a lot better, more organized. My businesses were way more yeah. successful, which people were like, oh, really? You were, you know, doing how much more revenue during those time periods? It wasn't that. I had put so much pressure on my business because of ups and downs and what I had seen going wrong in the business and felt like I needed to get leadership in there and inspire people and fix problems that are problem individuals, I would say, um, that I almost took on too much of the role. I almost took on too much ownership even as an owner, which people were like, is that possible? Uh, It's possible. It's very possible. It can become defining it becomes stressful it can produce panic and and anxiety because we're just not handling things the way we need to and we're not bringing balance into our life so i agree with you 100 percent. and i agree you know for 22 years i live by you know the birthdays are important the holidays are important you got to figure it out and maybe not every employee that works for me gets to enjoy those same things but i can't be at the tip of the spear cutting the flesh as the entrepreneur and growing this business if i don't have that balance and i don't get to be present in those moments where everyone yes. else gets to leave their job when they leave their job they don't have to bring it home with them at least if they're smart that was right. never an option for me you know no, it's, it's not. and so being able to purposely block out that time being present not being distracted and i was for 2 years it cost me a lot guys it cost mm-hmm. me now you know once the businesses were there and i go through an identity crisis and i'm trying to figure out what my purpose is now you know i my family is not as strong as it should have been my relationships are not as strong because i wasn't being present in them i was distracted or worried or covid this and you know the government wanting the trucks to do send medicine everywhere but we need to do food every day and i'm like what is going on here my own government turning on me and you know it's like okay like how do i deal with this but that being said 
you've got to build the foundation early on. You've got to make it part of your core values and not shake from them. And I shook from them because of what happened and uh, wanting to be there for everyone and wanting to make sure they were fed and not the compromised population in the hospitals were still getting fed every day. Like, And we didn't miss a delivery yes. in 24 years. But holy crap, was that period stressful. You know, I have employees getting pulled over on the road because they don't have vaccination cards and trying to go to work. And we're like, well, we haven't lined up yet, but we still got to serve food. We need exceptions. And then getting all of our employees exceptions to still be in work and prove that we were a vital industry. And right. it's just crazy. We're like, we're how? why do I have to prove this? I'm directly putting food in the mouths of the patients, you know, <laughs> yeah, all over the yeah. country. Why am I going through these hoops? And why am I less important than the medicine? Like, I'm just like, huh? Like, yeah. what is going on here? I could see as important, but if you're not going to feed the patients, even when they have COVID, <laughs> what are, what kind of thinking in that? It was totally backwards, and I never saw anything like it. And it really caused me to fight even harder. Like I felt like, right. what is going on here? The the unlogical decisions. Like, why would you cut food? Why do you not want food to the patients? How do you think they're going to get nutrients? And oh, we'll do medicine. No, medicine is not the answer. Like this yeah. is the funny part. You need to add food back into the bodies. You need to add nutrients and minerals, ones that help fight whatever is going on in the body. And so. Yeah. Anyway, I'm on a tangent. No, but- no. I mean, it's 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 extremely poignant for sure. I mean, our you know the you know our relationship with food in general and how where uh, how I don't know how well we've been able to remove it from how important it truly is to us. You know, again, like the idea of the there's you know the, I don't want to do this. It, rolled up in that statement is the idea that we've got well there's so much abundance that you can just say no to it that you're not like actively going running towards it because you've got so much and that you can say oh well, we don't need this or we don't need that but and that and that yeah the road to hell is always paved in good intentions you know so everybody you know it's it's easy to get caught up in it like you think that you're doing the right thing or you think that you're doing what you need to be doing uh but but all the while, you know, it turns out that it's it's just the opposite of what you should be doing, and, and that the more that you the more that you fight, the tighter that it's all going to squeeze you. And uh, and yeah, it, it it takes a it takes a, a a special kind of moment to be able to, like you were saying, like you have these moments where you stop and you step back for for a bit and you look to see what's going on here and and just does this make sense it's an important it's an important part of the whole thing to really give yourself the time to be able to step back and say wait what's going on right now uh and and be able to think about it as as clearly as you can and asking your other people you know like your 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 people that you trust around you and 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 seeing you know i had plenty of other other uh you know small business owners in the area and everybody else you know sh- you know t- telling me giving me helping me out giving me insights and uh and you know listening to to people as well you know you can't do it all by yourself love it Joseph, where can they find you online? Where can they find your restaurant? We're definitely going to do a, a part three. I'm going to break this episode into two parts for the audience just yeah. so they know that that's coming because there's a lot of content in here. We did a, we did a phenomenal job. Um, again, the audience, I apologize about like the first 20 minutes. We were going in and out. I'll clean it up the best I can. But really, right after the content and everything we really got into once we worked through some technical issues and a thunderstorm and some some issues <laughs> I feel like were going on, it's just been incredible. And um, 
Joseph, you're, you. you're amazing. Uh, you're an amazing entrepreneur. So where can they find you online? Where can they visit your, uh, uh, your establishment? Thank you, Justin. I really appreciate it. And uh, yeah, it's been it's been an absolute pleasure. It's it's wonderful to have the space to be able to talk about all this kind of stuff. You know, food is uh, it doesn't you know, it, it, it quite often has a story, but it doesn't it's certainly not telling it to you while, uh, you know, well, I mean, it can on the plate if you're looking for it as a diner. But, you know, a lot of times you're just eating foods and you don't hear it. So I appreciate you giving us you giving us the space to be able to you know, say, say the thing. It's really, really nice. Um, but you can find everything that we're doing at, uh, our website, tomahawktacos.com. That's where we have our schedule up. It's where the shop is. Uh, it's, you know, it has the contact information for the business. Um, so you can find us there, my Instagram handle tomahawk tacos, uh, as well. You can always follow the, the, that social media. That's the only social media presence I do have. So it's, it is Instagram. I haven't like, uh, gone uh to every uh social media uh, nook and cranny it's uh it was it's been another uh active decision i've made in my life to just say like hey this is all going to be in one place here it is so you can visit visit us at the website there that instagram handle um and uh you know shoot us an email if you're ever ever curious about anything but um i i appreciate everything justin thank you so much for the time yeah absolutely and we're definitely gonna have you on for part three like i said we break this into two parts but holy crap man i've got a lot more questions i we didn't even get into core values and inspiration and motivation and on as a whole so we're gonna get into all those questions like hiring employees like how do you handle and manage your clients and customers and build those relationships? So I'm just going to anchor that with the audience. We'll set up another yes. time to continue this because you're, you've obviously figured this out. You didn't come from food or even necessarily being an entrepreneur and you've sort of are on your way in both. I will say it's a lifelong journey, but you're yes. well on your way. And, and I, so I want to dive into a lot of these, you know, what I would call soft skills as well that really determine what you've been able to do. I think there's a lot there that I want to anchor and obviously talk about. So I look forward to that. In the audience, thank you guys for listening in. If you like what you heard, please share it. Please give a review. It helps the entrepreneurs get their story out that are on here. It helps other entrepreneurs who hear this story know that they're not alone. The entrepreneurial life can be very lonely. But once mm-hmm. we start surrounding ourselves with like-minded individuals, it's not lonely at all. So that's why these podcasts help. That's why these stories help. That's why a lot of entrepreneurs out there that are listening into this are tweaking their businesses, are adjusting their businesses, are adjusting their social media. And if you look at it and start to follow some of these entrepreneurs who are on there, their businesses are growing rapidly after they're on the show. Not necessarily because exposure, but because of this network effect that I'm talking about. The audience is engaging, their clients and customers are engaging, and the entrepreneurs out there are starting to know that they're not alone. And they're sharing the stories, hey, you need to hear this, you have a problem at your office, you need to listen to episode, you know, 350, you know, with, you know, Joseph and Tomahawk, you know, out of, you know, Mifflinburg, Pennsylvania. I hope I got that right. It's a tongue twister for me. (laughs) And, um, and so it's important. So thank you guys for the support. I love you guys. It's very humbling. Honestly, it's just, uh, in the stage that I am in my life, I'm very grateful and I'm very thankful. And I'm very thankful that we get to do this and help people in the world. That's why we're doing it um, and sharing these stories. So if you guys like what you hear, 
Uh, you can find us on Spotify or wherever else you grow yourself through podcasts. You can hear our other shows on there. Just type in my last name, B-I-Z-Z-A-R-R-O. You'll find all four shows we do, including this one. And you can find us on Instagram at Justin the Food Entrepreneurs. Thank you, everyone, and we're out. We'll be right back. 